You don't got shit for me. Imagine me and Mawar you, Penguin Drum. I am Panda. <laughs> I am your host. And I am here, as always, with my co-host, Alice. Hi, Alice. Hello. And I'm also here with my co-host, Cass. Hi, Cass. Pleasure to be here. And sorry for ruining the beginning of the recording. I can edit it out so no one will even know. But I might leave it in because you mentioned it. We're also here with a guest, returning guest, Audrey, my beloved. Hello. Hi. Thanks for having me on again for a show very near and dear to my heart. I know. You've been chomping at the bit for this one. I love Penguin Drum. And speaking of... Last time you were on here, we talked about your history with Utena, but this time I need to know what is your history with Moaru Penguin Drum? Yeah. Okay. So when I was in college, I was in the anime club, Shocker. <laughs> Which was basically a one-to-one crossover with the gaming society. And it turned out that the people in both those clubs were pretty shitty people. But (laughs) the president of the anime club, who I believe has gone on now to translate professionally Aerogay. Good for them, I guess. Nice. Don't quote me on that. Like, (laughs) definitely an asexual lesbian before we had words for that. But anyway, has gone on to, like, translate officially. But despite her being not a great person, did have fantastic taste in anime. (laughs) So... (laughs) <laughs> she is she was back then in college as judgmental of ju- like anime and mainstream stuff as I am now. Um so ahead of the curve. So obviously <laughs> because we're judgy anime lesbians, uh <laughs> she had watched Utena um and she actually bought like the the special edition of mm-hmm. it, like anniversary edition box set was released while we were actually roommates. Okay. So that came out, but Penguin Drum was airing at the same time as I was in college, not to date myself too terribly. I am older, <laughs> I think, than everyone else on this call by a few years uh, at least. I, I don't know. Alice and Cass are older than me. I'm going to be 30 this year. I'm going to be 31 this year. This year. Okay. I'm, I'm significantly th- older than you. I'm going to be 32 this year. Okay, so we're the same age. Yeah, okay. okay. So anyway, yeah. So Penguin Drone came out when we were in college and we watched it. We voted on what we were going to watch every semester. And this was one of the ones that was airing. It was like this and Madoka. We watched Garen Lagan as it was coming out. Hell yeah. So those are like the one, like the main ones I remember watching as they were coming out as opposed mm-hmm. to... We watched like a bunch of stuff. Like we watched Cotton Agatari and all all sorts of interesting things and Bakemono Gatari, but that wasn't actually oh good. Oh my god. <laughs> um, finally someone else who's yeah, seen I haven't it. thought about that show in years. So finally yeah. someone else who brings up Bakemono Gatari on this podcast. Alice oh, we says. watch we listen, Monica came up and we were on that shaft grind. <laughs> 
Actually, we didn't. I didn't watch this. This was in high school for me, so I didn't watch it in the club. But I will say, I was on the shaft grind because before being on a shaft grind was cool because I loved Sayonara Zetsubo Sensei. <laughs> I haven't thought about that show in years. Yeah, mm-hmm. gotta love an anime where people stand at really awkward angles and do the weird thing with looking down at you sideways, like every shafted character mm-hmm. does at some point. The shaft and oh, to go back <laughs> to the days to, of the red screens and the black screens. Anyway, <laughs> all of that is to say that I watched Penguin Drum. That was the first Ikuhara series I actually like watched concentratedly. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched Utena around the same time, but it was like much more sporadically. Mm-hmm. And it's it's still my favorite Ikuhara series, actually. Nice. Yeah, I uh, I knew that about you, and that's why I was excited to to have you on for sure. Who is your Who's your favorite Penguin Drum character? I have a couple. The two that stand out the most. I really do like Himari. I love her. She's so good. I love her. I also really like Ringo, even though Ringo Ogonomi has never done anything wrong ever in her life. My girl's a li- she's a little fucked in the head, but. You know what? It's not her fault. To quote Panda on this podcast, we support women's wrongs. Yeah. Uh, apparently, <laughs> as of episode 14, we have found our limit. Yeah. <laughs> <True>. said, yeah. <laughs> Woo! Jesus. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the guys do nothing for me. Shama's okay. Kamba, I could kill. Kamba, <laughs> Kamba could die, and I wouldn't blink twice. Um, <laughs> How do we feel about Natsume? Oh, well, I think, I thought this, I mean, this is obviously a Natsume episode. Mm-hmm. Again, I support women's wrongs. Natsume, I actually feel like I like more after this episode. Oh, for sure. This, this is, this is the episode that's supposed to, like, humanize her. Yeah. The, the amount of character stonks going up in this episode is incredible. Once again, I am required to be a hater, if only for the purpose of balance. <laughs> Alice the Sin Eater carrying up on her the uh, duty of all of the hate in the community. Yeah. Yuri's the only girl who I don't like, and that's because she's a predator. (laughs) (laughs) Because she's more fucked in the head than I can sort of let bygones be bygones about. First of all, Yuri, we need to have a talk. I know that she was, like, very willing to threaten to out you for dumping her, and thus retroactively made dumping her a good idea. But damn, you were cold as ice to your fucking stage partner. Well, and also, like, like, having an affair, like, right before getting married. Yes, I mean- And also drugging the sister of her crush. Oh, yeah. Okay, so that one's extremely bad in her actual crime, but I I am saying, like, let's not get lost so hard in the fact (laughs) that this woman should be in jail to not also boo her for the world's most cinematically inappropriate breakup. (laughs) True. And she doesn't listen. Penguin Drum is, at its heart, a story about intergenerational trauma, which is sort of, like, the part that we're just getting at, at, like, the episode 13 mark, episode 14, with, you know, particularly with Shoma and Ringo sort of confronting their family's crimes. Yeah. (laughs) And how, like, neither of them will ever be able to get past it, but, like, you inherit your parents' trauma, but you'll never understand it. Right. And, like, that's exactly what we get in this episode with Natsume as well. Oh, boy, do we. 
it's like this is this is a series about intergenerational trauma which sort of explains if not excuses a lot of the behavior from a lot of the characters in the show yuri doesn't get that excuse she's just bad i will say like that is sort of the tactic that ikuhara takes with character backstories is explaining but not excusing usually yeah but yuri doesn't even get that much she's just bad well i mean we do get an entire episode about like some shit that definitely happened to her but also yeah i mean you can be fucked up and still not like her her entire explanation boils down to hurt people hurt people right yeah so like i mean she she still has she still has her stuff with her dad as well Mm -hmm. for sure but it is not at the same level trauma can only explain so much at a certain point like you have done too much it's less that we don't have an explanation and more like it's a bad explanation (laughs) the explanation we had was really really good to cover a lot of fucked up shit and somehow you managed to raise the bar (laughs) yeah should we should we talk about the episode? Yes, we should, we should definitely get into this is episode 16 Immortal Man. Oh, I have I'm watching fan subs. Mine translated it as Uncrushable Man, which I kind of like yeah, more. Yeah, actually, I think uh I think my the version that I have on my computer says Uncrushable Man, but uh I was looking at Wikipedia, so that is where I got Immortal Man from. I don't know uh where that translation is from. Uh what is the actual do you have the actual Hepburn for the um, um Japanese? Oh, I can uh I I know just a little bit. I might be able to guess Let's which of them is more accurate. See, I posted it in the chat. I will look at it now. Shinanai Otoko. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm not as familiar with Shinanai. It's not a word I'm as I'm as familiar with. There might be a pun intended there. Well, we we get a lot about someone who knows a little. More. We get a lot about crushing in this episode. Yeah, exactly. So. Shinanai means like unkillable, right? May- it's I- something that it, it is, but the problem is that I'm not sure if in this case. There's an etymological yeah. pun there in the same way that crushable versus uncrushable man obviously is in English for Natsume. I can't read kanji, and at this point, I'm too afraid to ask. Oh, yeah, same. I know, I know a lady. I might be able to get us a translation <laughs> on this. So, well, in uh, the meantime, we'll that for, before next recording, and I'll let us know. <laughs> in the meantime, let us begin. All right. So we begin the episode on a shot of a koi pond at Natsume's estate in a flashback as Natsume reads a letter from her father, which indicates that he can't wait to come. He's counting down the days till he can come home and the four of us can be a family again and asks her to keep Mario safe in his place. She declares she will crush him, ambiguous at all costs. And it's time for my favorite Penguin Drum opening, Y'all Are Just Haters. Uh, nobody said it was bad, we just said we liked the first one more. Like I said, Y'all Are Just Haters. <laughs> Here's the thing about Nornir, I will say, is that I think it's fun that it just turns into, in the full version, a completely different song in the middle. <laughs> I have not listened to the full version, I will definitely have to check that out. <laughs> In the full version of Nornir, it like stops after like two verses and like two rounds of the verses and the uh, chorus and then has like a completely separate like music box break. That's so funny. It's really, it's Incredible. really good. I love Nornir. Incredible. But uh, Shonen Iware, 
I can't remember the full name of the song. Boys Go Spinning. <laughs> yep. Spinny Boys. Very good song. Yeah, uh, if if there's anything to be said about Penguin Drum is that the music does not miss. God, it really, like, that's the other thing is, like, not only is it my favorite show in terms of, like, the actual show itself, but God, the soundtrack slaps. Mm-hmm. And I think at uh, some point we're going to have uh, Teresa on an episode just to talk about the music. Oh, that's I'm so good. I'm really excited because I have, we have made multiple mistakes on this podcast before about the music and I'm, <laughs> I'm just to someone who knows it better. We will uh, definitively correct all of your mistakes. We get a repeat of the God, I must crush him soon. Yep. So we are in the present day now as Natsume is looking over what she thinks is both halves of Ringo's diary, which she is exceedingly happy to have finally completed because now Mario will be safe. He sleeps very comfortably on the, looking on the couch. Yep. And as she goes to put the two halves together, we get uh, an audio cue. The first like verse of Yuri's uh, review that she was starring in as Marie Antoinette. It's so funny! It plays uninterrupted for a minute before Yuri just snarkily chimes in and goes, Did you enjoy this sample of my sweet voice? Screw you, this was a replica. I'm an actress. And then it fucking, this message will self-destruct. This scene had me howling. Subscribe to Spotify Premium for 30 uninterrupted minutes of music. (laughs) Oh my god. Natsume just yeets the uh, now smoking diary decoy over her shoulder and says, I must come up with a counterattack strategy. And as she is sitting deep in thought about what that might be, her (laughs) curtain catches on fire and Esmeralda is just sitting there with a garden hose trying to put it out before Natsume calls for her maid to assist. Okay, you know what? I lied before. Esmeralda's my favorite character. <laughs> Esmeralda is by far best girl in the series. No. <laughs> no notes. She's just a little creature. She yeah. cannot change this. It's so true. I like oh. that Natsume has her little uh, American Psycho morning routine monologue. Natsume announces that her morning starts with a single cup of black tea. She likes her men like she likes her tea. She takes the first sip. Girl, what? (laughs) What does it mean? I I think it means exactly what it sounds like it means. I I know, but... God. Okay, in typical Ikuhara fashion, this is a line that we will hear repeated many times throughout this episode Mm -hmm. in a variety of different formats. Only one of which makes sense. Debatably (laughs) two, but only one of them actually makes sense. Yep. It is, so retroactively we will understand what this means as this episode goes on, but uh, Mm -hmm. first of all, I have to shout out my girl for having great fucking taste in tea. That infuser, you can see (laughs) the leaves unfurling, she gave that tea proper time to steep. My girl wants her loose leaf real fucking good. (laughs) Shout out to Natsume, that scene alone, 100% character stonk already as high as it can be (laughs) extremely cassie core no notes and she instructs her maid to continue monitoring kanba takakura and his sister notably not not to spy on show no she doesn't care about show anyway who's his new girl show is fine kanba's the one who deserves to die (laughs) yeah 
But Natsumi just asks, like, by the way, who's his new girl? Apparently, Renjaku, who is, as Natsumi explains in in narration, her maid, has been just spying on Kanba this whole fucking time, which explains why Natsume kind of knows Kanba's movements and had intel on all of his, like, secret society of ex-girlfriends and whatnot. She has served the Natsume clan since Natsume's grandfather's era. Natsume's grandfather is about to be a very important character this episode. Unfortunately, that guy sucks. What are you talking about? That man is the best character in this anime. I love him. He's a piece (laughs) of garbage, but I love him. I hate him. I'm glad my grandfather died by Jeanette McClurdy. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That was very that was very topical. I really appreciate that. <laughs> Which by the way, like non-spawn, but everybody go read Jeanette McCurdy's book. I read it all in one day because I couldn't stop. Yeah. Excuse me, what was that? Non-spawn? Yeah, not this is I not we are not, not sponsored. non-sponsored content. Is this how we're talking now? <laughs> no. Is is did you pick this up for the for the youths? Are we doing like English slang where we're saying menti B for a mental breakdown? Yes. Is this like is this like some clockwork orange shit? I didn't like Alright, Sheems, let's continue this episode before I uh, hold on, I gotta go clap a sig. <laughs> well, well. I, I may or may not have watched Cyberpunk Edgerunners and I'm not sorry. Anyway, today is a boardroom meeting. Natsume is dropped off at a giant company tower belonging to or sorry. Yeah, Masako Natsume is dropped off at the Natsume Group's tower. We should probably start calling her Masako because A, that's her actual name, and B, Natsume is a last name is going to come up a shit ton in this episode. It really does. You know what? We can continue calling her Natsume, though, because grandfather's gonna be grandfather. That's fair. Anyway, our Natsume is going into the Natsume Tower, the tower specifically made for Natsume. Did anyone else notice that Esmeralda has her own little bag? It is so cute. Very cute. She's my favorite character, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I said what I said. Natsume is apparently the president of this company, and she looks up and sees a massive statue of her grandfather, Sahe Natsume, who built this company from scratch. I swear to God, this is just giving me vibes of the fucking weird bust in Severance. Yeah, I also got major Severance vibes from the Natsume holding group. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you know, you're totally right. (laughs) (laughs) Somewhere in this building, there is, like, a cult dedicated to Sahe, and it's, like, really fucking weird and uncomfortable. One important thing to note about this statue is that the other Natsume family members, besides Mario, are never- their faces are never revealed. They Mm -hmm. are- they are covered- by a piece of paper with a kanji on it that says their t- their relationship to Masako. Mm-hmm. Yep. So grandfather's face is covered by a giant kanji that says grandfather and uh, her dad, which we will get to briefly in the episode, uh, has the same thing with Otosan on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it is actually just great stylistically. Yeah. Anyway, Natsume just fully admits that she inherited Grandpa's wealth to get where she is now, which means that she is uh, the only rich person I've ever seen who doesn't start her sentences with, after a small loan from my parents, I built my fortune. (laughs) She's a Nepo baby! I was gonna make the same joke! (laughs) 
She does also, I, I just noticed, like, watching it this time, that she uses the pronoun watakshi. Yep. Which is, hmm. like, super formal. I did not notice that. Yeah. Actually, weirdly enough, I had a very drunk discussion with a friend a few days ago that's super relevant here. Watakshi is the stock character uh, self-pronoun for the nice and slash non-bitchy young rich woman. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. As opposed to, like, Atashi? Yeah. Uh, Atashi is more of, like, that one's more of a cutesy, like, less formal and less, it doesn't carry connotations of rank. What 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 is the like oh Joe Sama? What is the snobby rich one then? If that's if Watakshi is the less snobby one, I'm trying to remember it. Is it Atakshi? Because Atakshi is one as well. You say I can't remember it. It is. It might be Atakshi. Anyway, yeah. all 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 this is to say that she uses a very formal, not maybe not particularly snobby, but a more yeah. formal than usual first person pronoun. Uh-huh. Yep. Anyway. Masako makes she makes a phone order on her fucking corded phone to sell dollars and buy euros. <laughs> and there is a part of my soul that wants to know if this was a good economic move at the time the show was made. Currency trading is extremely volatile, and it is extremely funny watching her ask someone to execute this in the middle of a boardroom meeting for a large company. Also, Esmeralda is just like walking around like on a on top of a globe. Yep, as uh, reference to the great dictator. It's a dog-eat-hog world out there. Oh my god, you're right. I think that is actually supposed to be a reference to the great dictator. Yeah! I did notice the words Inu and Buta in the... Yeah, it is extremely <laughs> literal as a translation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, very funny. My Japanese isn't great, but I was like, wait a minute, that's not the phrase. And then I was like, wait a minute, that's Inu and Buddha. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hold on. But that is exactly the fucking phrase. Anyway, what's with these numbers? <laughs> the Asian rates have increased lately, says hapless office guy, before getting fucking hit in the face by an entire stack of papers as Natsume... I don't recognize the exact pun she's making in Japanese, but this really like you should get Genghis Khan, like C O N N E D. Yeah, so yeah, our brilliant translator just goes on with that, and it's a wonderful localization. the The word China shows up a lot. Yeah, uh, which is why I think she, it's a play on words on on China. Yeah, that's yeah, and uh, you get Genghis Khan. Yeah. I know I'm wrong, but I look at this and all this pose where she has her hand out like this, and all I can think about is um, Tatao from Romance of the Three Kingdoms. <laughs> no, that's that's not an accident. That is probably on purpose. I feel like she's about to say some shit about Dong Zhuo. Anyway, <laughs> the fucking the fucking Esmeralda of the, of the world. Oh, that globe. Was. So cute. Uh, meanwhile, at Tolo General Hospital, Kanba has come in to uh, see Himari. He brought a packed lunch with octopus wieners. Where are you, Himari? You're not in bed. Fuck this guy. <laughs> uh, Himari is actually in the courtyard hanging out with Dr. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> that is not his name! I refuse to remember his name. He's Satoshi. Good morning, how are you? I'm Dr. Fuck. I'm not a real doctor, but I am a real fuck. <laughs> it is kind of an appropriate introduction to this character. Very upset that I'm not going to be able to put something about Dr. Fuck as the title of this episode. <laughs> I would like to reiterate again that i am still extremely creeped out by this man and his weird obsession with momoka you are 
so much more self-controlled with your title episodes than my podcasts are. <laughs> I don't, if I put fuck in the title, then iTunes will censor it. <laughs> Uh, well, I have I have a podcast episode called "Lives from Cunt and Died." So. <laughs> See, I would I would probably put "Cunt" Amazing. in an episode title before "fuck." Although I feel like there is like an episode where I just wrote "fuck" but I censored it. Anyway, anyway, Doctor, there's definitely a song written about me, and it's "Fuckboy" is talking to Himari, and she comments that he has very grown up taste while discussing knitting, and he replies to that with. You know, what are you talking about? You're a grown-up, too, which she is emphatically not! No, not really. Uh, There's two ways to take this. One, he is referring to the Princess of the Crystal, who is off and on possessing her, which, if Momoka, who we now know was the Princess of the Crystals, had lived, she would be about Sanatoshi's age. She'd be a lot closer in age to him than Himari is, so maybe it's that. Or... Alternatively, because this is an Ikuhara show and we can't rule it out, this guy's just a creep. I mean... Alternatively, alternatively, both. I will say this, I like Sanatoshi a lot. I think he's fun, even if he is a little creepy. He's not, like, Akio levels, so I can, like, tolerate him for now. He's not even, like, Sayonji levels, come on now. Well, yeah. Well, I guess it just depends on what you mean by Sayonji levels. My first impression of this man, or well, sorry, my second impression of this man, my first one was technically in the episode where he helped Himari find a book in the magic library in his face. But Uh my second impression of this man was extorting Kanba into into doing crimes for life-saving medicine, while also having a weird sequence in which he calls someone manifesting as a small child his lover. And uh, especially given recent events on the show, I'm having a real hard time uncoupling that in my head from my impression of this character. Now, do bear in mind, though, that Kamba sucks. So him being coerced <laughs> into doing crimes is actually a net positive, if you think about it. Kamba has the best chase scene in this anime. You are not going to convince me. <laughs> to change the ranking here. Uh, anyway, speaking of Kanba sucking, though, uh, Kanba is about to take a massive L, so let's <laughs> Yeah, he sure is. Kanba walks out to see Himari, sees Sanatoshi go by, and goes, hey, that Sanatoshi guy is kind of a creep. You maybe should, you know, spend time with him unless you have to. And Himari's like, screw you, he's really nice to me. And very playfully tells Kanba, you know, I hate you. She is very obviously making a gift for him. Mm-hmm. But she is a little bit hurt by the fact that Sanatoshi, who has been nothing but nice and polite and, like, you know, actually charming to her and literally delivered her precious gifts to the members of Double H for her. You know, Kanba... I may understand where Kanba is coming from, but there is no way that Hamari would. <laughs> so she is kind of hurt by this. And, yeah, this conversation goes extremely badly for Kanba. <laughs> Yeah, he tries to tell her, like, only talk to him if you have to. And she's like, why would you say that? He's a nice person. He even sent my scars to Double H. I hate you for bad-mouthing him. <laughs> Penguin number one just fucking runs out of the way. Also, Renjaku has been recording all of this and reports it back to Natsume, who is very happy that there is trouble in paradise, and orders her to continue monitoring, leading to... What I would consider the 
unparalleled best fucking sequence in this episode. No <laughs> notes. Let's go. Here it is. Here it is. <laughs> yep. Asra Chaku goes around going like, why? Why is Kamba obsessed with this forehead chick? The princess of the crystals possesses Himari, holds up a board saying survival strategy because- We we need to give more context as to what's going on here. So Renjaku has climbed up a tree um, to film Himari in her hotel room. So they are separated by the outdoor wall of a building, which is why the princess of the crystal turns to her, makes eye contact, and then holds up the sign that says survival strategy and and lip reads it because she can't actually say it in a way that Renjaku will hear it. I gotta say, I was hooting and hollering when this scene came up, not just because this is fucking hilarious, but also because I, like, had really been missing the survival strategy scenes, and I- We get a full one this episode, and it's the best one! (laughs) In missing Rock Over Japan, so... uh. The other thing about this that I want to mention is that we're watching the dub here as we record this. Oh yeah, I I didn't switch the audio over. No, it's don't worry about it. So in the dub, you actually hear her say it. In the sub, it's silent because she's behind the glass. Which is so much fun. She's just just mouthing the words. I I have actually watched the sub, and you are missing a lot if you don't watch this episode in Japanese. It's so uh, good. One of the funniest audio gags in Penguin Dramas in this episode, and I don't think the dub does it. Oh, God, it's so good. Anyway, Rock Over Japan is back, and it is exactly as good as every time it's happened before. They do the full sequence because they know we need... I am half convinced this episode exists because Ikuhara realized... I mean, I'm not half convinced, I am very convinced. Ikuhara definitely realized that episodes 14 and 15 were a fucking lot and needed something to break. This episode is also, in its own way, a pretty serious look into the trauma of a character, but unlike the previous one, it is extremely funny. Yeah, this one is also much more, like, reflective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we get to see, like, the trauma, like, we get to see Natsume's trauma, but we see it in sort of hindsight, as opposed to seeing her being actively traumatized. Yeah. In the ways of the last two episodes. Renjaku has unfortunately been brought along and is, first of all, watching a character who isn't show do the, eh, eh, eh. Very good, very funny. Great visual gag. Second of all, the Princess of the Crystal has brought her here entirely to just say, how dare you spy on me with a camera? And as Renjaku protests, the Princess of the Crystal tells her she's got guts. In the dub, she says she's got balls. Yep. (laughs) Accurate mood. Anyway, she just fucking gets into a haiku slam fight with her. Amazing. And she wipes the floor with her, for the record. Absolutely uh, wipes the floor with her. This is what I can only describe as a bossy haiku fight. I do love that Renjaku's entire haiku is, like, attempting to go, like, please let me take photos of you in this costume. (laughs) Too many syllables. I love that for some reason, the Princess of the Crystal just has a camera now and just goes, her last haiku is like, let's see those curves. Dan Renjaku, your bobbies. (laughs) I mean, she, she is breasting boobily right here, like... I, I just... The fucking sparkles, though. Uh, 10 out of 10, 
So, for those who have not seen the episode, what is happening here? Did you really? I'm, I'm sorry. Hold on. Did you really have to stop on this specific? Yes. Yes. <laughs> She's bending over, like with the camera, like good, good. This is such a weird <laughs> still. Uh, so this is such a weird still. This is 100% my favorite sequence of the episode. No notes. The joke here is in revenge for being spied on, the Princess of the Crystal fully just entices Renjaku, who seems to be extremely into it, and drops her glasses and hair to just automatically transform into a fashion model. Breast boobily across the floor. Yes, what I can only describe as like a gravure photo shoot. <laughs> she's also still in the handcuffs. Yes, so. she's absolutely still in the handcuffs. They cannot cannot emphasize enough that she's still in the... Uh... We get multiple glamour shots of it. It is great. Survival strategy handcuffs. <laughs> and yeah, she is absolutely moaning the entire time. After which she is so embarrassed, she declares, I cannot say an illusion this toxic anymore and trap doors herself before it's really the good. princess of the crystal does her... Let's initiate the survival strategy pose. Renjaku awakens, having fallen out of the tree and wondering if that was a dream, calls Natsume. I initially thought this was a flashback and was pleasantly surprised because, like, Natsume says the exact same line as before. Mm-hmm. And then was pleasantly surprised when she goes, Wait, you just fucking told me that! <laughs> <laughs> it's an extremely good gag. Also, Esmeralda's still rocking around on a globe and it's great. Anyway, it's time for not us to go into Natsume's trauma, the funniest trauma ever inflicted on a character. It's actually a pretty serious trauma, but like it is extremely funny in this presentation. This scene absolutely walked to the sequence in Yurikuma of uh, Lulu killing Milne over God. and over again could run. <laughs> I've missed I've missed the subway announcement so much. It's such <laughs> a good part of the series. God, I love that he has the the paper on his face. Would even in the flashback. Oh yeah. yeah. There's something Always. Shakespearean about this whole episode that it's just like absolutely bullshit the whole way through and just committing really hard to, to it. There is something Shakespearean about the fact that it is bullshit. Alice, my wife. Yeah. Go read Twelfth Night and tell me that it's not bullshit the whole way through. There is something really interesting in the fact that Masako sees her family members as archetypes, basically. Yeah. Uh, especially, like, specifically her paternal family members, because, like, she doesn't yeah. think of Mario that way, and she doesn't... Well, we actually never see her mother or grandmother, so we have we no idea... We don't see any other family members, either. at least in this episode. Yeah. The fact that, like, even her father, who she desperately wants to see again, yeah. is, like, faceless to her, is, like, really interesting. Anyway, uh, Sahe Natsume announced his, his morning starts with a single cup of black tea. He likes his tea like he likes his women. He has to get the first sip. Natsume serves him his tea. Little old tiny Natsume with the platter of tea. Hold on, I'm sorry. The newspaper headline? Firm aims to help planet with elephant. The colorful notepads and letter sets with pretty animal decorations are made with the raw material generally found in the jungle or in zoos. Elephant dung. Don't worry, they don't sell, said Hisashi Ueda. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what does this why why oh this is the only anime someone had a good time with that so there's there is a lot of english in this episode in the japanese version both written and spoken and 
I don't know who they got to translate it, but my god. <laughs> anyway, Sahe drinks his tea and fucking dies like a bitch. The end. God, I wish that were me. If only. I love how she, when she's young, her looks so evil and so jury. She's so <laughs> tiny and evil. Tiny evil jury. She's so happy she finally killed him, and now she can be reunited with her father, who she sees in the sky and does, in fact, have the thing. And then she wakes up. We are still in the flashback. Uh, apparently, young Natsume used to fantasize about murdering her grandfather all the time. She dreams about killing him every fucking night. Yup. Well, Garsh Brain, what are we gonna do tonight? <laughs> <laughs> I-, I love this fucking bit of her grandfather going like, I will not be crushed as a fucking ki while he works out with a kendo training sword. I didn't know that her grandfather was a Yakuza character. He is a fucking Yakuza character. He's the patriarch of the Natsume family. Literally took his shirt off with a kendo sword and yelling things like, I will not be crushed. It's right out of Yakuza. It's one of the Yakuza games. No, it's not It's not out of the Yakuza games unless he has a tattoo. What was that thing on his chest? He does have one on his chest. That is not a Yakuza tattoo and you know it. That's fair. Baby Natsume explains that as long as her grandfather is alive, her father can't return. This makes her very sad, and she confides to her father, who is far away, that she is scared of herself and worries she might really end up killing her grandfather. No jury would convict her. (laughs) No jury would ever convict her. Also, in the flashback, she sees a young Kanba approaching. Okay, I'm just going to mention it here because it's very quick. Young Kamba has, like, one line later on, and fuck this baby kid with his 50-year-old voice in the sub. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> like, fuck. They, they use the exact same voice actor for adult exact Kamba exact same Seiyu who already has a really low voice, and it's like, what are you doing? Kamba was chain-smoking as a kid. <laughs> you could get literally any female Seiyu to do this. They also do that in the English dub. They have just his regular ass voice actor do so bad, and it's so weird. I actually kind of like it. Oh, I hate it. <laughs> I'm throwing darts at him. Anyway, good morning, President. Uh, the entire boardroom says to Natsume's grandfather as he enters, doing the weirdest steps of all time. He's like that picture of John Lennon. Yeah. yeah. The Chinese economic boom is coming. Most of my notes for the rest of this episode are just English lines from the (laughs) sub. Yeah, so a running gag of the subtitled episode is that the blonde guy next to President today just says unsubtitled fucking good-ass English. Yeah, I'm not sure who they got to voice this guy in the sub, but like... He's definitely either a native English speaker or extremely fluent. I'm kind of sad that the English isn't bad, because the best parts of some anime is when someone speaks English and how bad it is. Yeah, so I think it's um a bilingual, like a native speaker who speaks... For whom Japanese is their first language, but was also raised with English. Mm-hmm. Um, because there is like the slightest... It is like American accented english there is the slightest bit of a japanese accent which makes me think that japanese is the first language really but it's Mm -hmm. good ass english extremely fucking fluent obviously fluent speaker yeah hey mr (laughs) president watch out (laughs) everyone plays the game get down mr president (laughs) but they're really bad at it (laughs) yep natsume fucking pops up out of a plant and fucking kills this man with a blow dart oh no mr president and it's a dream 
I think the voice acting for the Japanese and the English might be the exact same, actually. Yeah, I think they use the same guy, but the joke doesn't translate into English nearly as well. Right? No, no. of course not. But I think it's like the exact same guy voicing it. Now yeah, that I'm hearing the English version, is still great. Yeah, I mean, if it's already in English, why bother? <laughs> yeah, really. Anyway, I will not be crushed. The next day on the golf course, I like my women. Like I like my golf clubs. The newer, the better. Which is, I don't like that. I mean, ha- have you liked any of the variations no, of the this one, like women? This one can even like just be extrapolated to be even worse. So uh, the next, the next one's kind of racist. Oh yeah, I forgot about that one. Yeah, this one, yeah, this English line as we watch him golf is, what problem? No problem for you. <laughs> Lucky assassinate, assassination golf. Yeah, immediately baby Masako just fucking no scopes her grandfather in the head of a golf ball. Terry really good form, also. This is a Danganronpa execution for <laughs> a super high school level golf player. <laughs> Fuck, you're right. That is exactly the tone there. She's got a good fall through. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> All we need is like a pink blood effect. Yeah. Anyway. And I need I need a doll of him moving side to side as he gets slammed. <laughs> like vaguely gyrating as he gets slammed with the golf ball. Listen, I watched that shit on something awful. <laughs> Don't talk to me of the old magic Gandalf. <laughs> <laughs> the worst part of that for me is you that's that's not the book series that quotes from Don't oh. Talk to Me of the Deep Magic Witches from Chronicles of Narnia. Oh, okay. Well <laughs> I am in pain as like I also, it was misquoted as Gandalf being the speaker, so, like, I'm wrong on several levels here. Don't, like... I'm so sorry, Audrey. I, I, we have known each other for an entire podcast that I've already of actually <laughs> Moving on, we get to um, yet another women-liking fact about tropical yeah. fruit. And I, like I, I like my women like I like my fruit. Tropical. Fresh. God... How many? I forget how many. <laughs> what? Why? Fucking baby Masako. Fucking pineapple on her head. It rules. Oh, uh, she is the master of disguise. I also want to note there are multiple women in this screen. They are also all have. They also all have papers on their face, and all the papers have the name of a fruit on it. A tropical yep. fruit on it. That's pretty yep. funny. A little Benet Talaxu assassin over here. <laughs> There's Miss Mango. I want a mango. Oh, take as many as you like. It's a snake! Surprise, motherfucker! Pocket Cobra! <laughs> <laughs> this is like a dude-esque assassination plot. We're gonna hide the snake inside of the fruit. Motherfucking snakes in the motherfucking fruit bowl. Yeah, now we're into like hitman <laughs> assassinations. Yeah, really. dreaming of the perfect. We're kind of doing like one. the full, the full spectrum, uh, full spectrum, Jesus, spectrum, uh, full spectrum of video game assassinations it's here. Really and truly, this is just like some Metal Gear Solid three shit. Literally, every time I see this grandfather character die, all I can think of in the back of my head is the, is. This is what Baron Harkonnen sees himself as looking at. Looking <laughs> the giant mustache and all his rippling abs. Every time Natsume wakes up, I just think, 
Gotta get up, gotta get up. <laughs> yeah, really. I need to see Russian Doll at some point. You really do, it's great. Tuesday, what a concept. <laughs> Looking outside, he will not be crushed. Again. Natsume is slowly losing it that this man is still alive despite him murdering- Despite her murdering him over and over. Yeah, she's like a half second away from fish bowling. <laughs> fish, fish eye lensing. Yep. Natsume is 100% like- at the point where she is slowly going to do the fucking I use all of my negative energy to attack David Lynch post. (laughs) (laughs) Extreme negative energy. I'm psychically attacking you. Anyway, today's slogan from Double H. So what, what was that? What was the slogan? We won't know for a couple of minutes. But we are on a train with Sho and, and uh, Ringo, and Sho tells Ringo he can't be with her and he can't be nice to her. Which is a weird thing to say to somebody. Yeah, so I can't be with you and I can't be your friend. Fuck you. That's the fate of our family. Ringo informs him she won't give up even if he refuses, and she will change that fate. After all, I am your stalker. <laughs> I love her. She's she's grown so much from her from her trauma. Critical support. Cut to... Masako saying, Grandfather still has absolute control over us. He thought there were only two kinds of people in the world. Winners and losers. (laughs) That twisted mindset has tormented my father to the point that he could no longer live in this mansion. I admit that for a second there, my brain just did a fucking spaghetti western flashback. There are only two kinds of people in this world. (laughs) Those who stand outside the hole and those who dig. We are getting a flashback. Masako, Natsume Mansion, living room with the fireplace, when grandfather was alive. Part two, that monster took things precious to me. He even tried to crush Mario. Fuck grandpa. Grandpa's throwing all of Natsume's stuffed animals in the fire while telling her that she'll never get over him with these around. And then he finds her father's letters to her and begins reading them out. And as little Masako tries to get him to stop burning them, her grandfather informs her that her dad is a loser, in embarrassment of the Natsume clan, he's a stinky, stinky poo. And you know, the funny thing there is, that is actually a direct translation. That's pretty funny. That he is exactly that immature in Japanese. That is not the English version having a laugh. Damn, her dad's just like my cat for real. She <laughs> <laughs> does talk about her father the way you would talk about a very annoying pet. Her grandfather is a strong man who can never be crushed. We are about to see an amazing demonstration of this soon. And he informs her that Mario needs some training too to become a man worthy of carrying the Natsume name. Men of the Natsume clan must never be crushed by anything. Okay, gotta instill some toxic masculinity in this child. This poor baby looks outside. There is a pit of hot coals. There is a group of burning rings of fire. There is a pond full of alligators. Hey, looks just like going through the fraternity system at Mississippi College. (laughs) (laughs) What gay porn is this? (laughs) Sahe Natsume, who is just oiled down and in a fucking loincloth, sits atop a wooden horse, a literal wooden horse, not a figurative one. Don't call him a cowboy until you see him ride. (laughs) With... A giant fucking weight held at chest level as he declares that these are the trials that the men of the Natsume clan have challenged and persevered as the horse moves up and down 
on some kind of fucking thing, while the blonde guy from his company just runs across the hot coals over and over. I have his line here as well. It is, Mr. President, oh God, this is crazy, insane. (laughs) Okay, fun fact, I've actually done this before. Have you? Yes. um, The the transition. No, the hot coals thing. Transition in college, I was in a, I hesitate to call it fraternities because I went to uh, a Baptist college and they were not really fraternities except for ours because we were goblins. And as part of it, they make you, quote unquote, walk over hot coals. So there's this, the secret to doing this in real life is if you want to do this safely, you can learn to do it by doing it quickly, but also making sure you have like calloused feet and don't put too much pressure down. But the actual trick of doing this is that you actually douse your, you sit with your feet in a bucket of ice water. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, Yeah, you're supposed to. What we would do is that we would trick, it was all a trick. Um, Somebody would volunteer to be the person who sits in the ice water until it's time, demonstrate the thing, and then they would blindfold you and lead you across, but they would actually lead you next to it so that you would like be psyched up for thinking you're gonna do this thing but we were never we never made anyone to actually walk across it because holy fuck why would you that sounds really dangerous <laughs> we put like vaseline and ice water on some guy's feet to make sure he had like that was totally fine well if it was a real fraternity you wouldn't care about whether it was safe or not people die in fraternities every day yeah yep. but uh yeah there there is a that this is actually a thing that um I have I have seen the context of all male group socialization before, so it is funny to see it here. Intricate rituals. He says, become a strong man like me. Never be crushed. Never ever be crushed. In fact, crush them, Mario! You know, this guy is like, just like, if he were just like a nicer guy, I could almost imagine him being like the sort of jolly caricature of Alan Quartermain, but he just like is terrible. Yeah. So he's just a regular court caricature of Alan Quartermain. <laughs> he's just like a normal, actual Alan Quartermain instead of a character. <laughs> I have to say, coming from my particular background, I did watch this episode and I was like, oh, this is just a funny, funnier Gozaburo Kaiba. He really is! <laughs> this is exactly fucking Kaiba's backstory! This is literally, Ka- except that they're not adopted. It's unfortunately their birth grandfather, but... It is so fucking close to being the Kaiba... Backstory. I was like, like as soon as she showed up, honestly, like as soon as she showed up in front of the Natsume building tower and everyone greeted her as president, I was like, oh, she's Kaiba. Okay. She, she really is. Maybe that's why I like her more after this episode. I don't know why I didn't make that connection. And then, and then we got to our grandfather stuff and it's like, oh, he's just a funnier Gozaburo Kaiba. He even kind of looks like Gozaburo Kaiba, even the, the, from what we can see of him. Okay. Penguin drum fans of the internet who are art minded. Why is there no art of Natsume standing in front of a blue eyes white dragon themed Esmeralda? Please give respond. Natsume a dual disc. Give Natsume a dual disc. There's even listen. There's even a character in the anime who uses a penguin deck. Amazing. The crossover writes itself. Right, and he's even related to Kaiba Corp. Yeah, he's he's trying to he's trying to hostily take over Kaiba Corp. Incredible. Ten out of ten. Anyway, Mario will be killed if Natsume doesn't do something. Natsume begins screwing her courage to the sticking place and confides in baby Kanba that she's finally made up her mind to crush that man. Okay, now we get to hear Kanba speak with the voice of a fully grown 50-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'll keep you company even <laughs> if you're going to be cursed. I think you mean, I'll keep you company even <laughs> if you're going to be cursed. <clears throat> that it's is so jarring. Binding us together. It's not it's not as bad in the English version no. because his voice isn't as deep in the English version, but in the Japanese it's like, buddy, like are you gonna get a like a go go for a smoke and a drink after this? Like what's your plan? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh Sahe gets home from a fishing trip, very excited to be greeted by Renjaku, who was at the house during his tenure. Uh and he declares it's a large haul as he shows off a container or a cooler rather of Live blowfish. This is gonna go well. There is gonna be a whole ass explanation of how blowfish toxin works later this episode, but for people who haven't seen the show and don't know, fugu fish are fucking poisonous. Uh, They have a really potent nerve toxin in them. Uh, They are safe to eat if and only if a extremely specifically trained chef prepares them, because you have to cut them in such a way that you isolate the poison in their body. If you don't, you can spread it to all of the bits. And then, if you eat it, you get very, very sick indeed. This is relevant. (laughs) Anyway, Renjaku calls for the uh, head chef to prepare the food, but Pillar of Toxic Masculinity Sahe declares that he will have a sad face if anyone else prepares his prey, puts on a full sushi chef outfit, pulls out a Japanese fish knife, and makes fucking his own fucking elaborate sashimi plate. You know who he actually is, this character? Who is this he? This character is Cave Johnson. <laughs> yeah, he is! <laughs> yeah. This is Cave Johnson from Critically and uh, user-acclaimed video game Portal 2. Oh. Anyway, we shall witness the legendary swordship of the Natsume men. What was the American Moy's line on this one? Um, I don't have this line. I do have what, which the next one, which is... No, Mr. President, it's dangerous. Mr. President, come back. <laughs> Spoiler for five minutes from now. Five, more like ten seconds, but yeah. go off. Five minutes in real time. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, he tells the Fugu to prepare to die. Uh, fucking sashimis them. This is a beautiful sashimi plate, by the way. Hey, Cass, Iron Chef Japan got weird. I know, right? Anyway, it's chow time, he declares, as he just om nom nom noms this entire dish. Absolutely inhales it in one gulp. He eats it the way you'd eat an omelet if you were like a snake who could unhinge their lower jaw. And then (laughs) declares it's electrifying. There was poison in the blowfish I stripped. And uh, yeah, he is completely straight up dead. Absolute shame that Natsume did not have a hand in this. I know. Uh, Again, this episode exactly walked so the episode of Lulu trying to kill Milne could run. (laughs) It's the exact same plot beat with the exact same escalations. However, killing her grandfather did not in fact bring her father back. I'm sure it's his curse. I love that like the, the fucking American company man is just sitting in mourning at the same funeral as the actual family members there. He's devastated. He's, listen, he just lost his sugar daddy. (laughs) That is his, that is his sugar father. 
as well. But he was more than a sugar daddy. He was a sugar father. Okay, this man was more of a more of a family member to this American sidekick than he was to his own family. So I think I he's earned the, the right. Credit that. I love it. I hate Thanks it. for inviting me on your podcast. I hope you're enjoying the energy I'm bringing to this recording. His grudge to never allow us to be a happy family ever again. Anyway, Natsume is staring into the fire when she hears something, and Renjaku informs her that Master Mario is not in his room. Uh-oh. Mario has finally found Princess Peach. <sighs> But where could he have gone? Natsume, or, yeah, Natsume looks out into the garden and sees Mario outside practicing with Grandfather's kendo sword. Practicing the exact way that she would see him practicing every time she woke up from her killing him dreams. And as she goes outside, she discovers that Mario will not be crushed because actually he is the ghost of Sahe back from the dead. I went to Biting You Island and your little brother was there. Yeah, he bit me too. <laughs> Did you really think I was dead, you fool? I am dead. This is also a thing, weirdly enough, that happens to Seto Kaiba. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm 100%. I'm not joking. Listen, this is... Ikuhara stole everything from Kazuki Takahashi. I'm putting that down What's right now. This fucking, this child talking like this is deeply unsettling also. This is Noah fucking Kaiba, okay? Don't at me. I was really hoping that this was going to be a dream, and I don't think it is. No. This is diagenic. This is completely a thing that happens. Anyway... I like my blowfish like I like my women. Stripped by me, says Sai in the body of the swamp. This is it. This is the only one that makes sense. This is the only one I'll accept. It's gross as hell, but at least I get it. At least it makes sense on a word level. Yep. Uh, Sahi just challenges Masako to an Iocane duel. There are two plates of fugu sashimi on the table. One prepared by him and the other by a trained chef. And he challenges her to basically, like, pick the one that isn't poison and eat the whole damn thing, and I'll eat the other one, and whoever lives is the true leader of the Natsume clan. Well, you know what they say, never go in against a tiny child being possessed by his grandfather when death is on the line. (laughs) Yeah, they sure do say that. (laughs) These are just elaborate fucking fugu plates, by the way. Like... Say what you will about Sahe, at least his, his sashimi's pretty. <laughs> Whoever survives after eating a plate will lead the Natsume clan. Anyway, Sahe is like aggressively monologuing here and he tells her to pick one, to which she just says nothing. And Sahe goes, very well, I'll just make Mario eat. And as soon as she realizes that he's about to do that, Natsume just reveals that she is the true badass, and fucking yeets Mario into the pond and declares that if it means that Mario's life is in danger, she may as well be hanged for a sheep as a lamb, does a dramatic dive accompanied by Esmeralda and eats both plates of fugu sashimi in one bite each, distending her jaw like a snake. There is there is a line from the American assistant here in the distance. We don't even see him, but he does say, Hey, young girl, watch out! <laughs> <laughs> she's first swallow both of these plates. Oh. God. 
Anyway, uh, yeah, she, she is dies. poisoned. Because why the fuck did you do that? You know what? Uh, she spent her life building up an immunity to fugu toxin, so it's probably fine. Clearly not! <laughs> well, she lives. She's fine, but she's dead. <laughs> she died, but she got better. <laughs> Mario is still in the pool. We see Mario's feet sticking out of the pond. Yeah, th- that will be a running gag this entire fucking sequence. As Sanatoshi, fuck that he is, calls Natsume on the phone while she is currently dying of fugu toxin to inform her what fugu toxin is and how it works. This is such cunt behavior. I love him. (laughs) Absolutely just... This is the kind of thing I imagine doing to people who've, like, caused me deep personal injury. If I wanted to count of Monte Cristo someone, I would be doing this to them. And he's just doing it to fuck with a girl. I don't know if anyone else felt this way about this scene, but, like, just the scene of Natsume, like, twitching as she dies from blowfish toxin was, like, very distressing to me because of, like, I don't know, something about the way that it's animated, like... Yeah, no, it's it's legitimately kind of distressing, like... It's a little, it's weirdly real right after the bit of, like, the giant puffy cheeks. Yeah. Um, nom nom bit. Yeah. And it's also, like, with this really glib conversation going on with Sanatoshi being like, Hey, how's dying feeling? Pretty bad, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and her being like, yeah, not great. I felt better. <laughs> yeah. It is extremely funny. I don't know why, but this actually made me laugh very hard. Ikahara really excels at comedy, actually. Just fully explaining to Natsume everything I just explained about how blowfish toxin works. And she, to which she responds, yep, sure <laughs> have learned of that. And this feels like a real Nanami moment. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, like, Nanami would have absolutely done the exact same thing. I sure have learned my lesson. <laughs> I do love that Sanjo, she goes, oh, are you electrified already? <laughs> just like, Oh shit, are you- <laughs> Like, he, the implication there being, I guess he meant to call before her grandfather actually made her eat the fugu? By the way, Mario also died because he drowned. <laughs> yeah, Mario's dead. So, Natsume, uh, goes to Penguin Hell. <laughs> and as she is drifting to Penguin Hell, she, uh, talks to her father, saying- did you see me? I kept Mario safe until the end. Mario is still dead. Uh, oh, father, I just wanted to hear it one last time. That you love me. Actually, no. Actually, I changed my mind. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Masako awakens on the... I'm just gonna call it the Purgatrain. The yeah. Purgatory Train from Hell. That I think the only other time this has appeared was <laughs> when Sho and Ringo were... When Ringo became aware of who Shomei is and yeah. who his parents were. Oh, I love this song. What's it called? Normal Train? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> All aboard! So, in this beat, we see her looking through into the next train car where a group of men in black cloaks and hats are congregating first around her father, and then... Uh, along with them in a similar black coat, uh, coat, rather, Kanba. So Kanba is working with domestic terrorists. She tells them to stay away from them. They'll just use you, then toss you away. Just like, just like my father. father, which, hold on. C- can we get a pause here? 
Not to make the your, your father did the fucking Tokyo bombings. I think that might be the reason he didn't come back. Yeah, maybe. Sanatoshi says that they've been chosen to put the world back on track as he is leafing through a book of fish. Yep. Oh, from the aquarium, duh. And yep. also the fugu, remember? Yes. Yeah. She is also informed that after all, your brother is innocent. She asked Sanatoshi if he's going to save Mario. That was the deal they had. Yes, I will save him if you join them as a chosen one. And he holds up one of Ringo's, or not Ringo, uh, Natsume's little um, penguin, penguin bullets. Uh, bullets. Penguin paintballs. The door to the next train car opens, and we see that on the lapels of each of the men in the other car is the penguin stamp. This is an extremely well-financed cult. <laughs> and Santoshi declares that we are taking back the world. Uh, the door closes as Natsume calls out for Kanba, and then she awakens in her own bed, being watched over by Renjaku and Mario, who is not dead. Apparently she has been on death's door for three fucking days because she ate fugu poison. <laughs> All of this was diegetic. Fuck you! And of course, as she goes and to fuck look you, out- Doctor Fuck, <laughs> she looks out her window and sees Doctor Fuck Sanatoshi outside. Yep, she, she says, "I am not taking that train." Yep. Hard cut to the ending of the episode. This is a great little upbeat rock song, and I fucking love it. Yeah, I'm a big fan of this uh, ending theme. Yeah, it's the same ending animation sequence we've had a couple of times before, uh, with Himari and the other member who's of Triple H uh, reaching up toward each other through like, with like a red ribbon or a red string rather flowing behind them. And at the top, you see two hands reaching down for them that I think are supposed to be Shoma and Kanba's, but it's a completely different song and it, it's, just, it's just fucking great. It's a song called Everyone Went Nutso. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which they say a lot in the song and it's delightful. Yeah. Yep. It, it's just a song about- They were electrified the whole time. I completely fucking forgot to mention that um, in this ending sequence, the other members of Triple H are wearing the mufflers that uh, Himari knitted for them, so that's nice. He's cute. Oh, I didn't catch that. Yeah. I love that the subtitles for this song are Everyone Went Nutso. Yep, that's the, that's the lyric. Okay, so... Oh, and then we get the penguins um, eating at Penguin Coffee. coffee. I go to Penguin's Coffee. Can we go to Penguin Coffee tomorrow, Alice? <laughs> and the narration says, uh, don't worry, you can count on me to save you. And the scene is uh, Sunny and Penguin number one sitting at this Penguin Coffee cafe. It's like they're eating curry and they're sitting on produce boxes because they can't reach the table from the seats because they're tiny penguins. Yup. And then Penguin number two just fucking drops in from the ceiling like Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible the moment either of them is even remotely distracted and steals their food before repelling away. And we get a Lily Hoshino illustration of Natsume and we get Natsume saying, survival strategy might as well be hanged for a penguin as a chicken. I can't believe they got Hoshino Lily to do this. I know. It's so funny to me. I know Hoshino Lily mostly from... Yaoi. Well, yeah, that's what she is mostly known for in well, general. She's known for she's known for other stuff these days as well. Yeah, but like that's like that was like her thing, huh? Uh, it's it, well, I mean, <laughs> this was when I was sixteen. It sure was. 
I shouldn't have been reading it, but it sure did. Well, I was reading Chobits far too young, so. No, I was reading, yeah, I was reading Chobits at like 12. Yeah. <laughs> not, not, listen, I was pressing a lot of I'm 18 or older buttons when I was not 18 or older is all I will say. Oh, big same. We've all done that. Yeah. So yeah, now we we Sorry, have internet. we have some backstory on Natsume and her her grandfather and I guess I feel like we're going to learn more like it feels like the inclusion of Kamba there like he just sort of shows up like he's the guy who sucks well yeah but i meant like i meant child comba like oh that just, guy yeah he, he just sort of like appears when that is no child <laughs> well yeah that too <laughs> i have to say that i enjoy the um i i enjoy that like they saved up all of their hilarious murder plots for a single episode just got it all out of their system in one go yeah, the, 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 this was some uh, good vibes to follow up some very bad vibes that we've had recently in the past two episodes. The vibes have been in shambles. They really have. So yeah, how I know, uh, Audrey, you've obviously watched all of Penguin Drum, but how yeah. Alice and Cass, how are we feeling so far uh, as of up to this episode? I know Audrey said before we started recording that once things hit episode 14, it just keeps getting worse, I believe is no. what you said, or before no, episode no, no. 14. Before that 14 right. for me was like the peak of how bad things right, got. Right, that was it. That that things things continue to be bad in Penguin Drum throughout the rest of the series. And there's a part in like episode 23, 24-ish, or towards the end, which is pretty visceral and grim oh fun we have that to look forward to which is pretty visceral and grim and in a way that i think really utilizes some of the more cartoony animation effects of penguin drum to like really sort of devastating effect like a lot of these like the subway animations and all that kind of stuff and like the stuff that feels almost like a, a user guide User guide. Fun! I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah, that that almost feels like you know reading uh, or watching like an instructional video stuff. So there's yeah, there's episodes of that later on which are like pretty difficult, but none of it. But because it uses that like particular style, because it's not happening, and because it it's all like again, it's mostly retrospective stuff, mm-hmm. and it's not happening in a moment. I didn't feel it as badly as I felt the shit with Ringo gotcha. in episode 14. But yeah, Alice and Cass, how are, how are you guys feeling? This was great. <laughs> I am very happy that we got an actual funny fucking episode after such a series of downers in the last two. <laughs> yeah. It was extremely nice to get... Okay, I'll be real. I kind of wish you could just skip from episode 13 to this episode and not <laughs> miss anything. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> unfortunately, I'm I'm pretty sure that the plot in thirteen and four or fourteen and fifteen is relevant to this anime, or it would not be here. But it is extremely good to be watching a Penguin Drum episode that doesn't make me want to die. <laughs> yeah, like I think about the, the like thirteen and fourteen, and it kind of felt like the experience of watching that kind of felt like being held hostage 
yeah like being held in prison somewhere i kind of felt like like being of, like, tied clock- up in someone's hotel room perhaps yeah like like <laughs> well I, speaking of clockwork orange earlier being tied up with my <laughs> eyes held open watching something i really didn't want to watch yeah. yeah you know what about you alice i really liked this one it's it baffled me but i like it when ikuni related media baffles me um i find that those are the episodes uh, i tend to like the best mm-hmm. see uh nanami's egg yes i really liked this one i enjoy the the increasingly wacky dune-esque assassination plots <laughs> i gotta say my favorite assassination plot has got to be the cobra oh yeah i got no, no, it I, you know what it's either the cobra or the dart the dart was pretty great <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I like the golf ball Danganronpa execution. <laughs> <laughs> as far as like story stuff, like it's interesting that we finally have a bit of her. I mean, I think you mentioned earlier this is the episode that kind of humanizes her. Mm-hmm. And yeah, kind of. It it really does. Not that, but I guess if there's anything I was like, I'm not sure I really needed her to have an episode about how like that really like getting me to feel sorry for her because i already liked her and she's very she's such a likable villain just like delightfully divide delightfully villainous and i kind of liked her that way i i want to see if that continues audrey what is it about as much as you can say i guess without getting into post episode 16 spoilers what is it about penguin drum that makes it your favorite ikuni property I think, honestly, I think that, now, I, I again, I haven't watched Yuri Kuma, so, sure. you know, take this with a grain of salt that I haven't watched that, but I think of the three series that I've watched, Utena, Penguin Drum, and Sarazanmai, um, that it does the best job of straddling that line between surrealism and realism, and I think that is because it is based in historical incident. Mm-hmm. Um, I think having the story revolve around like this sur- extremely surrealist version of the subway attacks, um, lends itself to sort of tackling some of these bigger themes that Ikuhara always loves to tackle in a way that doesn't get away from him in ways I felt he sort of gets away from him in Utena in a way that I feel like he doesn't even try to broach <laughs> a lot of time in Sarah's on my. Okay. Yeah. I see I see where you come from. I, yeah, I can I can vibe with that. I don't necessarily fully agree that he it doesn't get away from him here, but I also haven't finished Penguin Drum, so maybe by the time I get to the the final episode I'll have I'll have like a, a fully baked thought on it. Yeah, I do definitely feel like that's where this is going and kind of like when we reach the end, we're going to look back and be like, okay, I see what everything was kind of all the pieces falling. Right. Here. Exactly. And again, I'm not even saying that this is like good or bad, but like objectively speaking at the end of Penguin Drum, you know what happened. Like you can say, Fair what enough. Happened. you can say what happened. And I think, listen, I think there is something about Utena and how open to interpretation Utena is mm-hmm. um, particularly its last couple episodes. That's like really compelling. And part of what makes Utena such a good series but you cannot say objectively, with a hundred percent certainty, in my opinion, what happened at the end there. Sure, yeah. So again, for better or for worse, whatever, whatever you think, uh, you know what happens at the end of Penguin Drum, and I think that 
Again, especially, I mean, the big difference between Penguin Drum and Utena in particular, not talking about Sarah Zanmai, is that Utena is a fairy tale. Mm -hmm. Penguin Drum is an extremely fictionalized version of real tragic events. Penguin Drum is, would this count as historical fiction? I mean, I feel like it. I feel like it does. I mean, it's an extremely fictionalized version of it, obviously, mm-hmm. but like, there is no question. Yeah, that it is the subway attack. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. The the subway gas attack. So I don't know. I think there is something. I think there is something for me about Ikuhara trying to tackle something in his style, in particular, about something that really happened and had really devastating real life consequences. That is particularly interesting to me. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I definitely can see that. Do we have any final thoughts on the episode before we wrap up? It's a good one. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, if that's that, listeners, you can find us on Twitter at UtenaCast. You can find me on Twitter at Impandanata. Alice, where can people find you on the internet? As long as it still exists, you can find me on Twitter at Lyrewolf. L-Y-R-E-W-U-O-F. And Cass, uh, what would you like to plug today? As per usual, check out Alice and I on our podcast, which will be hopefully resuming soon, Big Steppy, which can be found on Twitter at SteppyCast if you want to ask us things about, I don't know, Mobile Suit Gundam. We have an episode planned. It's probably going to be Battletech. (laughs) Alice had to teach me Battletech so I would be able to do that episode. And uh, Audrey, where can people find you and the many places that you are (laughs) on, on this fine internet? Yeah, I'm a busy little beaver these days. Um, I'm Audrey. You can find me on Tumblr, Twitter, and co-host, although there's nothing on that last one, at Optimum on Prime. That's my funny robot internet joke. If you want to know more about that, you should listen to one of my podcasts called Prime Cuts, uh, which is about Transformers. It's a non-linear history of the Transformers franchise where we go uh, season by season, but not in any order of everything that's aired on television. And then the other podcast I do is called Pot of Greed, and it's about Yu-Gi-Oh! You may have heard me mention it a couple times (laughs) over the course of this episode. Um, We are, this week, starting 5Ds. So, Oh shit, I love that show! 5Ds? (laughs) Nuts. 5Ds? Nuts. We are going to say that so many times. I was about to say, how many times has that come up so far? I've literally started yelling at my co-hosts because we haven't even started the series. Those are very good. So we are... There's six of us uh, who host, and we are evenly divided, three and three between sub and dub. Oh, <laughs> and we uh, both, we both, we, both sides feel very firmly about their stances here. <laughs> uh, best of luck to you if you haven't seen Five Ds before. I have not. Only one of us. So each of us uh, has like one particular season that we're or series that we're really into. On uh, my special interest for twenty two years has been Dual Monsters. So I. You know, I joined for that, and then we had another one who, uh, another one of my co-hosts really liked GX, and now we have the five Elliot, the five D's liker has entered the chat. Um, Shout out so. to Elliot! Then, uh, good luck. It is going to be a trip. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to that. We'll also be probably the greatest divide between sub and dub because the dub just fucking loses half the show. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the sub crew. <laughs> I'm very firmly the sub crew. You can also, uh, I, I've also been cast in the pilot of a radio drama that will Ooh. be coming out soon. Oh, nice. An audio drama uh, that should be coming out soon. Um, and 
we'll have more information once that pilot is edited and ready to go. Um, And I have another project that I'm starting with a friend of mine on the Moonshot Network with Tease that I will also have more information about once we have that in order clasped my gay little hands together yeah well uh listeners if you would like to find us other places on the internet you can email us at imagine at gmail.com or you can uh if you want to come on the show you can either email us or you can fill out the uh google form that is in our pinned tweet and uh you can technically find us on tumblr but i sort of just reblog fan art on there i don't even post episodes and that's all of the things i think and if it's not i don't care uh survival tactic survival strategy that's what we we at the end of the episode we i'm gonna count down three two one and we're all gonna say survival tactic at the same time are you ready survival tactic yes because that's it that's i have the survival in the sound got it so got it i all right three two one survival Survival tactic 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 Tactic. Tactic. (laughs) we almost did